may I say it has been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Thank you for being vessels that God uses to help us to enter into that great and wonderful place, the presence of God. I don't know about y'all, but it gets good enough here when you get right with him and seek his face and show up and he shows up. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in heaven when we actually see that throne, that glorious presence of the Holy One, the creator of it all, and to know that we're welcome there as his children Because of one reason and one reason alone, Jesus died for our sins on an old rugged cross and made it all possible that sinners like us can stand in the presence of a holy God and get to live with him forever. How anybody wouldn't want that, I don't know. But I didn't want it for 33 years. How about you? But I don't know about y'all. I'm glad one day he opened my eyes. He helped me to see. Gave me a heart to understand. And by his grace, he offered me all that I just talked about. Forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. To be welcomed into the presence of a holy, righteous, just God. I don't know about y'all, but that's unbelievable. But not everyone this morning has that peace. They don't know the joy of God's salvation. Sometimes it's even people sitting next beside us in the church. It's definitely our neighbors next door. Maybe the people we go to school with, the people you work with, the people that you are around on a regular basis. Many of them believe in God. They have a certain zeal for him. They would not be against him. But still, they're like Paul realized Israel was. With all their benefits of being in a Christian nation and a Bible Belt area with all the access to the gospel, they have not understood it enough to receive it and be saved. Many of them believe in God. They try to do the best they can, but the best you can is not enough. No one's ever been enough but Jesus to satisfy the righteous standard of God's holy law. And we're not saved by keeping the law and doing good. That's why we can only be saved by faith in the only one who could achieve righteousness, and that is Jesus. And Paul, writing today in the 10th chapter of Romans, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to look there with me. He's writing, and many much of us could say the same thing about our nation. What has happened to America? I can tell you what's happened to America. America's lost. America is not saved. Not that every American ever was saved, but at one time we were a Christian nation where the majority of the people understood and knew the free pardon of sin and understood the importance of Jesus' message, the good news of the gospel. We start reading here in verse 1 of chapter 10, and Paul says, if you read it with me, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. You know anybody here who's right with God, who knows the Lord, if you get right with God, the desire of your heart and a prayer from your lips would be for America to be saved. Not get a new president, not get a better Supreme Court justice, but that America as a whole would be saved by God's grace and have a movement of God that would be of a spiritual awakening proportion that would 
bring revival into the people of God, the church of God. And I don't know about y'all, but when I look around at America, I think America's number one problem is it doesn't know God anymore. And they need it. Just like we need it. And if you look right here, he says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Most of Americans that I talk to, listen to, and are in contact with believe in God. They even have a zeal for him. They believe in his church, most of them. But they don't live for him. Their lives don't reflect his glory and they don't see the fruit of his spirit manifesting in their lives. Many of them live no different, if not worse, than some of the lost people around us. And Paul says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. I want you to notice the rest of this I'm going to read to you. How many times righteousness, primarily the righteousness of God, is mentioned Paul says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. That was, that's what was wrong with Israel. They, they had a zeal for God. They had the temple. They had the law. They had the, the high priest, the sacrificial system. They had all the covenant promises. They were the ones that the Messiah came for, yet they didn't see him and recognize him and know him. So they were lost. Why was that? Because they didn't seek God's righteousness. They seek their own. Look at what he says right there. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. And the man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That's the good news we're going to look at. And that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. To be saved literally means to be declared righteous, justified, not guilty in the eyes of God. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want you to notice there, it doesn't matter what you say at your mouth about God if you don't believe what God says you have to believe about him in your heart. Because it's what you believe in your heart that the Bible says right there, Brings you under righteousness. And it's what you believe. Then you declare it with your mouth. You confess it. We do a sinner's prayer. You confess you're a sinner. You admit that you believe Jesus is who he is. That he died for you. And that he rose again. And now he lives to save you. And with confession of your mouth about what you now believe in your heart. You are saved. And look at what he says right there. For the scripture says whoever believes in him. Him being Jesus Christ will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between a Jew or a Gentile. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name. Just like a Gentile was getting saved, a Jew who was supposed to have been saved by his Messiah, if you reject Jesus, even the Jews didn't get saved. And he says right there, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's nothing greater that will ever happen to you in your life. Then to come to the place that you believe in your heart, the good news that Jesus died for your sins. You realize you're a sinner and you confess what you believe in your mouth to Jesus and you're saved by his grace. 
Until that happens, you'll just be a religious person doing the best you can, trying to do good. You may have a zeal for God. You may go to church. You may have a Bible, maybe two or three. But friends, I'm here today to tell you that you can have a Bible. You can read that Bible. You can go to church and be on a membership role. You can be religious and come on a regular basis. But if you've never come to Jesus Christ, your righteousness is as filthy rags to a holy God. They're of no value until they come and you enter into the blood of the Lord Jesus. You see, God's righteousness comes only from Jesus Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. No one cometh to the Father but through me. You can't get there by your effort, by your works. Today, if you talk to the average American, he believes in God. He even has a zeal for God. He may do good things in the name of God, his God, the God he's made God to be. He may call him Jesus Christ sometimes. But if he's not come to the place where he understands the good news of the gospel, and the first thing the good news of the gospel is going to tell you is that you are a sinner. That we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You know that great verse, that wonderful testimony of God's love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Doesn't mean anything to anybody until you realize you're a sinner deserving hell. And that you're already perishing. And then when you hear the message, the message it's foolish just to those who are lost and perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, the message is the power of God for salvation. Paul says right here, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Do you think he meant that? Flip back to chapter 9, verse 1. Look at what Paul said. This was his heart. He said, I tell the truth in Christ. Everybody see what I'm talking about? I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For what? You're saved, Paul. He says, yeah, I am saved. For I could wish, though, that I myself were accursed from Christ for my countrymen, my brethren, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. What Paul is saying, if you want to bring it home today, if it is possible, I'm so burdened, I have continual grief in my heart, I'm sorrowful without end because of my brethren, my fellow Americans, who, with all their benefits, with all their opportunity, with all their access to the gospel of Jesus Christ, has traded it for church in a role and a membership and a water baptism, and they don't know him. They don't live with him and for him. And they have a lot of religion, which is good, it's not bad, but it can't save. They are doing good, they're trying to live right, they believe in God, they have a degree of fear of God, they believe even in accountability of God. But if you get to talking to them, they'll say, well, I know I don't go to church, and, but I've been baptized. But I, I believe in God, I'm a good person. I'm a good husband, I'm a good parent. I try to do good. I help people. 
Well, guys, listen to what Paul says right there in verse 4. He says, I'm burdened with constant sorrow with continual grief in my heart for my countrymen, my fellow brethren in the flesh who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory Friends, listen, they were God's chosen people out of nowhere. He took a man named Abraham, raised him up a a generation of people, and made him a people group called the Jews, the Israelites. He named them after his son, who he called Israel. And he adopted them in. He showed them the glory of God. He delivered them from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He took them out in the wilderness. He promised them the promised land. He, he gave them water from a rock. He fed them manna from heaven. But more than anything, he brought them to a holy mountain. And he showed them his glory. And he spoke and he shook. And he gave them the law. The Ten Commandments, primarily. And from that, the law, he spoke through Moses. And he, he, he gave them the covenants. The covenants, his promises that in me, through Abraham, your father, you're his offspring. I've made a promise that you're my people. And he gave them the law. Look at that. He gave them the service of God. That was the temple and the priesthood and, and the sacrificial system. And with all that came the promises of whom the fathers and from whom according to the flesh Christ came. He gave them the greatest thing of all. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the righteous one, the only one that could save them. All of that other stuff was never meant to save them. It was to make them realize and come to their senses that you can't save yourself. The Lord never was here to point you to be saved. The Lord was here to point you to the one who can save you. See, all the law can do is condemn us. It shows us our sin. But you got people when you talk to them are just like Israel. He says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, Jesus dying on a cross, sacrificed for their sins. All your other sacrifices were pointing to him. They wasn't to take his place. He was to come and take their place. But he says, for they seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. How can that be? Go back with me to chapter 1 of this book. You see, the, the overall overwhelming theme of Romans is the gospel, which reveals to us the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God can only be found in the gospel. Paul says in verse 15, So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And then he says that verse, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Gentile, the Greek. And look at that next verse, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From works and from keeping the law and living right? No, he says from faith to faith. For the just, that's the declared not guilty, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in God's provision. Not in our ability. Look at what he says in chapter 3. How many times he mentions the law. Look at what he says in verse 20. And the whole book is laying down. Laying down an explanation of why you can't save yourself by works and by your righteousness. He says right there, 
Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. By the deeds of the law, by doing good, by doing right, by trying to live the way God says, he says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. All the law can do is show you you're a sinner. D.L. Moody said, thank God for the law. It comes around and shows us how crooked we are. But praise God more for grace. It shows up and straightens us out. Amen. (laughs) You'll never straighten out your life. You'll never straighten out your family. You'll never straighten out your anything. The law will only show you what's wrong. Look at what he goes on and says in verse 21. But now, thank God, the righteousness of God apart from the law. You see, the righteousness of God doesn't come by going to church and being religious and being Baptist or or whatever you want to call your religion and your denomination and giving offerings and being good attendees. All of that's good, but none of that is righteous without Jesus. He says... In verse 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. See, the law is witness to God's righteousness. The prophets come along and told us about the coming one, the Messiah. And what does the law show us at the end of the day? The law shows us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the law does. That's its job. But look at what he says in verse 22 right above that. But even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, God brought his righteousness apart from the law. He revealed it through the good news. Jesus, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference between a Jew or a Gentile. All have sinned. All have fallen short. And it says, being justified freely. Look at verse 24. Being justified. That means being declared righteous. Being seen as not guilty by his grace through the redemption. That redemption, what paid the redemption price? Jesus' death on the cross. That is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. That's a sacrifice by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. You see, what God did is God is holy. God is just and God is righteous. And he does not change But we sinned. And when we sinned, we were separated from him. And when we got the law and the law showed us who God's law is and his standard, the law condemned us and we became transgressors of the law. And as we learn the law, the law teaches us that thy shall not, what, do all these things. And so the law brings us to the place that we realize that we need righteousness desperately. And so what did God do? Because, yeah, he's holy, and yeah, he's just and righteous, but he's also loving, long-suffering, kind, and, and, and merciful. And he gives grace to the humble. So what did he do? He couldn't change his standard. He couldn't change his law. He wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be holy. He wouldn't be righteous anymore. But he says, but I love them. And so he already had a plan. He said, son, you go down there. You can live the law. You can fulfill the law. You can do it for them. You can keep the law. So Jesus came, son of God in the flesh, holiness incarnate. And he faced the law and he overcome the law and he lived the law and he never sinned. 
And then on top of that, he said, okay, Father. And Father said, now you die for them. You pay that price they owe me for my holiness and my righteousness. And you do justice for them. And so Jesus died on a cross for you, my sinner friend. And he fulfilled God's holiness. He kept his righteousness. And he provided justice for God at his expense. So now God can forgive us. And he can give us stuff like he so loves us that he gave his only son. That whosoever will believe in him shall not perish. See, that's where righteousness comes from. That's the good news of the gospel. He didn't save you to sit in church and think now you're good. He saved you to learn how good he is. And friends, listen, Israel didn't get it. Israel kept trying to be righteous on their own. They rejected Jesus. They wouldn't believe in Jesus. And when you get back to where we were in our text, chapter 10, this is where I want to preach from and hopefully give an invitation from where some of you can be saved this morning. Paul says in verse 2, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. They went to church. They went to sacrifice. They went to temple. They believed in the law. They believed in the Old Testament prophets. They had all that stuff. But when Jesus came, they didn't believe in him. And friends, if you'll get with me and go with me and knock on doors and talk to people when you're pumping gas and when you run into them at Walmart and you're waiting in line, which you get lots of witnessing time in a Walmart line if you don't use the self-checkout. And if you use the self-checkout, you better be safe because you've got to pray to keep from getting in sin, getting out of that place. It's aggravating, amen? But just look at it as an opportunity. I didn't get stuck in this line to stand here and be mad. Who you got me by, Lord? If you'll ask them, you know Jesus. Oh, I heard of Jesus. If you die, you think you can go to heaven? Well, I think I am. If they tell you they think they am, they ain't met him. They're hoping. What are they hoping in? You keep talking to them. Well, I'm a good person. I grew up Baptist. I've been baptized. I don't go to church like I could, but I help people. I do lots of good things. La-dee-da. What about all the bad things you've done? Does that overrule it? Never can, never will, it never has. You see, the only thing that can take that away is the precious blood from the righteous one who never sinned. Now, if you want to live by the law and you want to try to keep the law, God will judge you with the law. But it ain't going to go well for you, my friend. Or you can let judgment happen today. 2,000 some years ago, God judged sin on the cross with his son. But the only people who know they're going to heaven today ain't the ones who's hoping they're good enough, hoping their goodness outweighs their bad, hoping I'm a good enough member, hoping I'm religious. And oh, I am. And you know, the worst one you try to save is that one. I'm good. I'm not a bad person. You see, when you're not saved by grace and you believe in God and you accept his law as the standard righteousness of whether or not you get in, you end up in one or two places. You end up with self-righteousness that comes from your pride and your religion. And you're thinking you're something you're not. And you think, I'm good enough. I just don't believe God would do me anything. I don't think he'll send me to hell. I'm a good person. Well, you don't know the gospel because I said there's none good. No, not one. There is none righteous but Jesus. And, or do you end up this way? Preacher, I know I'm going to hell. There ain't no hope for me. I'm too far gone. 
I'm a, I, I've been divorced and I've cheated on my wife and I've done drugs and I've done it all. Lord, I'm so far from God, I could never be saved. May I tell you, he's easier to get saved than the good Baptist sitting in the pew without Jesus. I'm a good husband. I'm a provider. I take care of my kids. I'm a good American taxpayer. America's filled with people like that who would say they believe in our Jesus and they're going to hell because they've never been saved by grace, washed in the blood. They're not filled in the spirit. They've never been born again. And many of them sit in churches with us. But you see, until you get to the place where you say, I've sinned against you, God. I'm a transgressor. I've broken your law. I deserve to go to hell. I should perish. God, what's going to happen to me? The same thing happened to my son. I'm going to judge sin in your life. But you don't have to be judged. My son did it for you. I put him on a cross for all the world to see. I let them scourge him. I let them shame him. I let them do everything that they could do to him to punish him. And then I let him be whooped for you. And he took stripes for you. But by his wounds you are healed. You are made whole. Body, soul, and spirit can be touched by the hand of Jesus and heal you this morning. It don't matter how far the devil has taken you, how more the flesh has succumbed to the world, Jesus this morning can set you free. He can take you out of the darkness of this darkened, hell-bound world and put you up on a road out of the miry clay, cleanse you, wipe you off, set you up, and hold you up. To live a life that honors him, that glorifies him, and that shows others the difference when you have Jesus in your life. Not religion, and I'm not condemning religion. Thank God for goodness and works. But I do thank God more for Jesus. How about you? You see, then how are you saved? See, that's what they were doing. Look at verse, he says, I bear them witness they have a zeal for God. But not according to knowledge. They don't know. They're ignorant. And they being ignorant of God's righteousness. They don't understand that. It's Jesus dying on the cross for them. Yeah, he was a suffering Messiah. Yeah, he, he gave his life. But he's coming back again and he won't be suffering. But they seeking to establish their own righteousness. They thought they were okay without him. Have not submitted to the righteousness of of God. Friends, when you die, God's not going to look at how much bad you have compared to how much good you've done. His righteousness is going to be declared on what you did with his son, Jesus Christ. And what you did with the sacrifice that only he could pay. If you Turn from that sacrifice and trample it under you. There remains no other sacrifice for your sins but Jesus. And today he's here to save you, to forgive you. And friends, the more important thing I want those of you who are saved to understand, he's the only one going to save your lost loved ones and your lost neighbors. And friends, as you look right there with me, look at what he says. For Christ, verse 4, is the end of the law for righteousness. Jesus was the end of trying to do good, of trying to fulfill the law. But he's only the end of the law to everyone who what? Believes. You see, if you don't believe in him this morning, 
He's not the end of the law for you. You're going to answer to the law when you take your last breath, my brother friend. The law is going to judge you. And God's going to judge you like a good judge does according to the law. Let me ask you this. If someone broke in your house, was stealing all your stuff, woke you up, and in the Malay killed one of your kids. And then they took him to court and they said, well, he was just on drugs. He didn't really mean it. He was a good kid. This was his first time to ever get in trouble. And being he's a first offender, we're going to let him go. Would that be a good judge? Would that be righteous? You know it wouldn't. So don't think that God said, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not all those things. Thou shalt honor me, thou shalt not use my name in vain, thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy. Don't think he's going to all of a sudden, my friend, decide to be lenient on you. Because if he's going to be lenient on you, he needs to apologize to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would Jesus do what he did? You see, Jesus died because it's the only way that we can be saved. And so he says that those who believe Jesus is the end of the law. Because listen, if you're going to keep following the law and keep trusting your religious good enough and you think you're okay, I hope I'm okay, I might be okay, you're probably not okay. Because look at what he says. For Moses, verse 5, writes about righteousness, which is of the law. If you're going to acquire your righteousness this morning by the law and keeping the law, he says to everyone which is of the law, the man who does these things, he better live by them. <laughs> which means you better never break the law one time. And he says, verse 6, but the righteousness of faith, it speaks this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, who's saved, who's righteous. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead down into hell. But what does it say? Friends, listen. When you're trusting the law, no one knows for sure. Can you imagine a religious person hoping he's going to heaven? He hopes he's in. He hopes he's going to go to heaven. I think I'm going to go to heaven. It's not for us to say. And then the other person's like, well, oh, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to hell. That's what I find when I witness. There's one that thinks he's good and there's one who knows he ain't and they both know they're lost. Except for this one thinks I might be saved. Friends, listen. When you come to Jesus and you acquire God's righteousness, it ain't, I think I'm going to be good enough. I hope I'm going to be good enough. It's he's good enough. His righteousness. You see, the Bible says, for he who knew no sin... God made him who know no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in him. So Jesus took your sin so that he can give you his righteousness. And I don't know about y'all, how do you do that? How do you get that? He says, but what does it say? It's not sitting here thinking, man, I hope he's going to be saved. I, I've been to a lot of Baptist sermons, I mean, for funerals. Had to preach some of them where people was like, I hope that preacher wasn't lying. <laughs> but I think he might have been. I got a shirt preacher, a friend of mine, Clyde Coker, gave me from one night. It says, live your life where the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. 
But all the lies in the world can't get you into heaven. All the hope in the world, all the wishing in the world, friend, the only one that can get you into heaven is Jesus. And when you get Jesus, you don't wonder, you know. People might ask me from time to time, well, you think you're going to heaven? I said, no, I know I'm going to heaven. Well, how can you know that? Because Jesus Christ died upon that cross. He died upon that cross for the sin of men. They tried to accuse him, but they couldn't find anything that they could hold against him because he was sinless. And they buried him. And three days later, he rose again. And then he lived among us and he taught among them and he showed himself for 40 days and then he ascended back to heaven and he's in heaven now. And he says, if you'll trust me, I'll save you. And he says, everyone who calls upon his name shall be saved. That's why I know I'm going to heaven. Not because of what I've done, not because of what I may do. My past, my present, and my future is all settled at a place called Calvary. How about you? Now, I'm trying to live for him, but I'll be the first one to admit to you I don't always do it. I fail. But this is what I do know I know by the grace of God. I heard the good news of the Jesus. I heard the gospel, the power of my salvation, God's salvation. And his righteousness was revealed to me through the gospel. And I've studied the gospel and I've read the word. And I've let the word be a part of my life. And God has shown me that the word of faith, this is what it is. Look at what he says. He says, but what does it say? Verse 8, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What is the word of faith? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ... Confess him. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. And he says, and believe. You see, not just say it with your mouth. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved, justified, righteous, not guilty. Man, ain't that something? Baptists ought to say hallelujah, praise God on that. And listen to what he says. For the scripture says, I'm sorry, verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. It's not what I say, it's what God says, it's what you believe. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You're fixing to get a chance. If you believe this in your heart, you've never confessed it in your mouth. You've never professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior to do that today and to know you're saved. He says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. I don't know of anything that would be more shameful than to wake up in eternity and him say, I don't know you. Depart from me. I never knew you. See, he said that many people is going to say, Lord, Lord. He said, but not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, to me will enter my kingdom. But he who does the will of my father. What is the will of the father? To know you and for you to know him. How does that happen? You submit yourself to Jesus. And you get your sins removed and you enter into a relationship. Look at what he says. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him there will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. That's Gentile. For the name of the Lord over all is rich to all who call on him. The name of Jesus is rich. It's powerful. His mercy is abundant. His grace is sufficient. For whoever calls... On the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I'm going to extend an invitation. And I believe with all my heart that there's somebody in here this morning who knows you've never made 
this business with Jesus. You need to today come as a sinner in need of grace and be saved. Now, you can bow up. You can go against God. That's between you and God. He won't make you come, but he's going to offer you an opportunity this morning to be saved. And I hope you listen because it'll be worth it. But I want to talk to those of us who are saved. And you need to open your eyes and you need to look at your neighbors and your loved ones and your fellow Americans. My friend, they may tell you Jesus is at their house. But what I want to ask you, what is Jesus doing in that house? We got neighbors, we got loved ones, we got co-workers and school members that we go to school with that may know about Jesus, but they don't know him. Because when you know him, you'll live for him. He'll show it in your life. You'll love, if you love him, you're going to love his people. You're going to love the things he loves. You're going to love his word. I don't know about y'all. I love to eat. And so I eat. Well, if you love the word of God, you're going to want to digest and meditate on the word of God because that's what feeds your spirit. And you're going to love the things that God loves. You're going to love him above all things. Today, if we really look at America and we care about America we'll quit worrying about Fox and who's going to win the election and we'll start telling people about Jesus and we'll start bringing people to church Paul said I am I am broken with continual grief there is sorrow in my heart for my neighbor because they are not saved I'm praying every one of you comes back to revival every week day this week but even more than that I'm going to challenge you Come back with a lost person. Come back with an unsaved person. Come back with a neighbor, somebody who ain't been to church lately. And watch what God will do. If we would all get them into here, the Bible says, how can they know unless they believe? And how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone gives us a preacher? God's given us a preacher named Rocky. I hope you would think I'm a preacher worthy of my wages. I'm preaching the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I'm preaching the Bible, and the Bible will save you and change you. But you got to believe it. you got to accept it and trust it. Today, there's no shame in being lost. But friends, can you imagine the shame of dying lost? And I'm going to unapologetically tell you there is no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved but the name of Jesus. When you leave this place, there's a way out. But there's only one way out. And his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one's going to the Father but through me. Today, he's calling you. He's saying, whosoever come, I'll save you. I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'm not worried about your past. I died for your future. Today is your day of salvation. Today will you come while you can. And friends, that's what revival's about. Today, you got loved ones. you got neighbors. Let's get them here. Brother Rocky's going to preach this morning, and we're going to have this invitation. If you got a lost one, if someone's on your heart, bring them to this altar. Sit them at Jesus' feet. Pray for them. Call on them. But today, first and foremost, I want to tell you, walking the aisle doesn't save you, but it's evidence you mean business. But Jesus walked a hill for you. He climbed Calvary. He hung on a cross for you to reach the least we can do is public profess him and accept him and not be ashamed of him so that someone else might be Jesus will come. Today, maybe you need a church home. Maybe you've never saved. Been, maybe you're saved and you're wandering around. You don't have a shepherd, an under-shepherd, a pastor. You don't have a church family. 
if God would lead you, we would love to be a church to help you follow Jesus. But this morning, whatever God's telling you to do, revival starts with being obedient to the Spirit and the Word and letting God be Lord of your life. Today, if you believe that Jesus is Lord in your heart and you confess that He died for your sins and He rose again, you believe that under righteousness. And if you'll come today and confess with your mouth, confess with your mouth, not be ashamed. Lord, I'll tell the whole world that you died for me. I'm not ashamed to speak the name of Jesus because you were not ashamed to die for me. He'll save you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand and I expect to see God move. I'm praying he will. Father in heaven, I've obeyed you. I've preached what you put on my heart. Thank you for the help to do it. I knew you was with me. And I believe you're helping people to hear it and understand it. And I believe there's a sinner right now who's one step, one decision from going to heaven and being saved. Help them to do that. Help them to say no to the devil. Help them to say no to the flesh. Help them to reject the world and come to you, our Savior, who died for us, who lives for us, and will save them. Lord, I pray right now that someone will come forward and be saved. And I pray for the saved, Lord, to get real and admit that there's people all around us who need to know. Help us to be like Paul, to do whatever it takes to get them to Christ. And I pray for revival starting this morning, that, Lord, you move in this place. Have your way among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come? Jesus is here for you. He's calling you. Don't stay lost. It ain't worth it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch
feel blessed and get all the goodness of God. But how can we be here with this peace beyond understanding, this joy unspeakable, the joy of his salvation and not be burdened for so many people who don't know it and have it? I don't know about y'all, but the closer I get to God, there's greater joy, there's deeper peace, there's unbelievable inner things in my heart and in my soul. But he also puts something else. He puts that sorrow. He puts that grief, not for me anymore, but for my neighbor who didn't do anything but what the lost people do. It's not Sunday. It's not the Lord's Day. It's the weekend. He's more worried that work starts over tomorrow than that this is the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, the day that he rose from the dead and was resurrected. Man, that's what life matters. When you leave here, it don't matter how much things your work allowed you to get, how many toys you acquired, how much stuff you got. When they burn you up and put you in that little box or they lay you in that big box, it don't much matter because you ain't there no more. You're either going to be ashes or you're going to return to dust, but you will be standing before a holy God. And you won't be wondering about what all you had you'll be wondering about now what you don't have if you don't have Jesus I'm here to tell you today that Jesus said while he was here what does it profit us to get all that the world offers and lose our soul Jesus died for you my friend and I'm here to offer you his free gift of eternal life we're going to sing one more time but I'm also here to tell you that same man you got a neighbor lives right next door I guarantee you that needs to come to revival tonight that needs to hear about Jesus let's do our part and watch God do his so we're going to sing one more verse this is your verse if you need to be saved if you want to join this church Miss Angela comes I love it she came she said after a lot of prayer God has showed me I'm coming to join this church and she didn't wait. Did you notice when God's working? Man, once, once you surrender to him, boy, she was up here. I, what a prayer. Can I share? She came up the last time she came up with me. She got one of them bad doctor reports. What kind of cancer was it? She had mouth cancer. We got people in here who knows about that. And the doctor said, it's definitely cancer. We prayed with her that day. And I know it wasn't my prayer, but the prayers of many people and the faith of her she went back to the doctor. He guess what? It's gone. It's gone. He don't always make your cancer be gone, but I can promise you one thing. There's a worse thing than cancer, and that's sin. And I can promise you today your sin's much worse than that cancer was. But if you'll come today on 100% on the Word of God, every time he will take every sin away. Now, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And how many of you knows what it's like to live forgiven? saved by his grace this morning we're going to offer it one more time i believe there's a sinner in the bunch that ain't ready for eternity this is your verse this is your opportunity this is for you this is your moment if you need to come jesus is calling and we're all praying that you will come if you need to and then we'll close so this is your chance one more verse brother jonathan and we'll pray